fight. And we're back to the box with our boy, Chris Regan of the meantime. He was with me drinking beer last night. Now he's recording with me in the afternoon with our boy, Mikey CLT. Michael, Chris, how are we doing? Doing great. Man, I can't complain. Seven, 17 games with a point. All good. All good things. Yep, yep, yep. We talked last night about how uh, we wanted to try and stray from talking Islanders, but you just can't talk about the NHL without talking about the Islanders. And that being said, Chris is an Islander fan, which is a very pleasant surprise. And so we figured it'd be good to uh, just throw a little flex on the fan base real quick, like we always do about the 17-game <laughs> point streak. So, Chris, what's your favorite part of, of what's been going on, man? I mean, we all love it, um, and there's so much to love about it. So what 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 are you loving here? Uh, I mean, it's just been fun to watch the games, you know, and I think a lot of us probably grew up with an Islanders team that was sort of hard to watch for most of our lives. So it's a nice feeling to finally be excited to sit down and watch a game and not, you know, go into it expecting, you know, the worst outcome every time. Um, and, I mean, it's just cool to see, you know, everyone kind of thought that, we were going to be screwed over the last two years with like the transformations in the lineup. And uh, I think that it's just cool to see what Barry's done with the team and, you know, how all the guys are working together and just, it's a, it's a nice transformation to watch in real time. Yeah. For, for, uh, for real, I, I, after the Toronto game, um, everybody was walking out and we always celebrate a win um, back at the, uh flagpole we call it um you know where we tailgate and stuff and there are a bunch of mm-hmm. toronto fans walking by and i just went over and offered them a beer because i've been in positions multiple times where you're going to an away game it's a little more especially that's more hostile and uh you know um you know it sucks to get uh to get crushed like that you know even though they get a little bit of a comeback doesn't even really count but and you know they were like oh you know you guys are doing well. You're going to you're gonna do well this season. And I said, yeah, well, you know, the best part of it is it's just a giant middle finger to a bunch of people telling us that we wouldn't do well for so many reasons. And they turned around and started saying, well, how could you expect, you know, you know what do you think is going to happen when you have the best coach and the best GM? And I looked at him like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you fucking? You you literally let go of the of said GM. You you, yeah. you said no good, and and, and the coach you know the coach you know all I heard about was Babcock's revival of Toronto, and I'm not gonna make this Toronto New York, but that's what I feel the spin zone's gonna go because God forbid any fan base can have a glow up for a second and people admire it. Um, you know it it goes from you guys shouldn't be doing good to you guys are cheating. This is too easy for you. You know, so <laughs> you know like there's and no I, in between. And I'll say, you know, I will give, you know, some respect to Toronto fans that are able to come to a game at the Coliseum and say, you know, the thing like being, you know, Oh, you guys are going to do well. And not just, it, it's definitely not a uh, fun environment to sit in a Coliseum while Tavares is there playing against the Islanders. I think that it's, you know, pretty hostile and, for especially after a loss for them to be able to walk away from it and you know for you to extend the hand and offer them a beer and for them to like actually be able to have a conversation about the team and not just be you know upset about sitting through 
a game like that, you know, in the barn is it's definitely not easy to be at an away game. And especially that matchup, like it doesn't make it any easier on their fans, you know? Yeah, absolutely not. And Mike can attest to being at an away game. <laughs> yeah, it's my we story of my life. life. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Every game's an away game for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We haven't had much luck in his hometown, but we've had luck elsewhere. And um, yeah, just going around the league. Speaking of elsewhere, Washington <clears throat> seemingly plays every single night. I mean, they have a base schedule at this point and so we are um three games behind with five games in hand i believe mm-hmm. which is preposterous because it's been like five games in hand for the last four days so we just keep playing on the same night and they don't lose it's 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 astounding they just don't <laughs> lose in at least over you know they i mean they lose in overtime but that's that's the farthest they'll lose it, yeah. you know um i've heard a lot of people yeah with how you're mentioning like you know what i've been enjoying about the streak and i i never thought that i'd be you know at a position in my life where i'd get to complain about the islanders winning or doing well but if we could just get a regulation win like once in a while and not have to go through the like the chest pains of watching them go into overtime i think what the last four out of five games have been either overtime or shootout and it's just like even sitting at the bar last night, I know like all the people next to me were like, "Oh my god, please don't let it go to overtime again!" Like I can't handle the stress. No, no, it's, I it's couldn't handle being up that late. I'm not, I'm not a night person at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ten thirty starts a little rough. Yeah, every blending together for me because uh, <laughs> I've been <laughs> working so hard. So I. I don't know. I was in hockey mode. I'm watching a hockey game and you look outside and it's dark, but, and I'm just like, Oh, it's like eight. eight. And then I look down in the third period and it's one thirty in the morning. And I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. I completely forgot this game started at ten thirty. So, um, yeah. So, uh, last time here and I'll, I'll even say, I turned to some people and said when it was one, one with like two minutes left, I said I'd almost rather be down one because then at least the Sharks couldn't score and win with like a minute left. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I know how we've been lately. So I'm like, I'd rather score to tie it with two minutes left, you know? Dude, even even the other night when we were about to like, you know, break the record over, I was like, oh, like two minutes left. Like, this is so cool. We're going to do it. And then what was like 45 seconds left? They tied it up and I was like, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I think I literally, I was texting my girlfriend. I was like, oh, sick. We're about to win. Like, this is going to be so cool. And then, like, two minutes later, she texted me back, like, oh, that's awesome. Congrats. And then I had to respond and be like, never mind. We're going to overtime again. Because <laughs> it, it literally keeps coming down to the last, like, four minutes of every game. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely unnecessary on so many parts. So they could just hem that up. That'd be yeah. uh, the bow on top of what's been an awesome, awesome stretch. Yeah, um, nice. yeah, absolutely. So, so Chris, um, what, what do you yeah. think the answer is then? What do, what do you think the team can do to to get out of you know going down to these games down to the wire? I don't know. Like, uh, I think we were texting about it the other day. Like, I think Varley is great. Um, I just think that he slips up a little bit and like you know towards the third period. I don't know if he can really hold up through like full three period games. Um, I think last night was like 
you know, he looked a, he he made some good saves last night, but he just kind of looked a little bit weird. Like, um, I think out of the, you know, what was it, 24, 25 shots on goal last night, like, there was only one or two where I was actually like, wow, that was like a solid, you know, save. The rest of them were kind of like really weird, sketchy, almost lucky moments for him. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't want to, you know, obviously put it all on goaltending, but uh, and I think that last night, even though like it ended the way it did, I think last night we looked way better than we did in some of those games against the Penguins. Um, and I just think that, you know, the power play was looking really strong. We just couldn't, you know, capitalize on anything. Um, but some of those Penguins games, I was like, you know, it's cool that we won and all, but it was, it didn't really feel like when the game ends and you're like, shit like that wasn't like it didn't feel like we were definitely going to win the whole time like I wasn't so assured um so I don't know it's I don't want to say that I would trade like being assured that we're playing well you know for winning but it's nice to like watch the team and feel confident and be like wow they look great tonight like the lines are moving really well and um it's kind of like working like a well-oiled machine as opposed to being like we kind of look a little bit out of our element but we're still winning somehow there's there's like a, a middle ground there that I, I would like to find. Yeah, I think um, and going off of Mikey's question as well, I think a lot of it has to do with people kind of catching on to how to play us, really, uh, because just we keep the game, we keep the game tight um, at all times. You're never really going to run away with it unless they go on an unconscious night. Where you know you're playing a team that refuse you know that refuses to play any defense, and Barry just feasts on that. But other than that, like these good teams keep it tight, and you know it's good for us, but it's also good for them. And and we don't play very well unsettled offense. I think I'm sorry we we don't play very well settled offense. Mm-hmm. Um, the passing is not always the as crisp as some of the premier teams um, yeah. and the shooting is like to fin- finishing on a goalie that's been following the puck the whole time just seems to be uh, a difficulty for this team. And we saw it last night in spades. There was a bunch of whiffs, um, you know, blame the ice because that's what everybody does when they play in Brooklyn <laughs> or Coliseum. So, you know, San Jose heist was terrible. Uh, but, you know, I just think that, I think people letting us play, giving us more rope to hang ourselves on the offensive side is kind of resulting in keeping the game as tight as it is for us, you know, and and we are good enough to squeak by the last couple of times. Yeah, and I think, like I said, like last night, I think we did a really good job at keeping possession, like in the offensive zone. Um, oh, yeah. And like, especially in like the second and third, like it almost seemed like the Sharks weren't really even touching the puck. Um, but then it's just, it's those moments, like you said, like when we do, you know, when we make a bad pass or when we give it up that they're able to capitalize so quickly. Um, and like, you know, the Islanders used to be that kind of team where like, if, a if any opposing team would score on them in the first three minutes of the game, which was happening, it seemed like all the time, it was basically like we were done for the night, you know? Uh, so it is cool that they're not really allowing themselves to get psyched out when stuff like that happens. Um, you know, like the Penguins had that early goal the other night and it, it didn't really phase us. Whereas like, you know, I remember, you know, back in the day, like five or six years ago, you'd go to a game and like you knew that, you know, if we didn't get the first point up that that we were basically screwed. 
Yeah, yeah, and it was surprising, an OT loss as well, um, considering we have the OT cheat code uh, <laughs> in Barzal and uh, Nelson as of late. I mean, that guy, Jesus Dude, Christ. Yeah, really is just like taking it and running with it, which, you know, I'm down to let him do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think we need a little more out of Ebbs and Anders, though. I think that if those two can turn it up a notch, then that will give this team a little added scoring. And then I think that's what's going to take us out of these very close games, you know, putting away one or two more a night. But those two have kind of been underperforming this season, and it's being a little masked by this nice long run we have. Yeah, I mean, we can't really let everything rest on, like, the second line. It's nice that they are you know, performing as well as they are and seem to be working really well. Um, like, even Beauvillier looks great. Broussard looks great. Um, but it definitely, we can't let it rest on their shoulders for the entire season. You know, if we can, if we can balance things out with the other lines and allow them to be, you know, the, the fighting force, but they don't have to feel like they're carrying the weight of the whole game, then I think that we'll have a much better chance of, you know, staying in it for the long run. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean, Everly just hasn't looked the same since he's come back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when he re-signed after he has that insane postseason against the Penguins, um, you're thinking like, okay, maybe he figured it out, you know, because he didn't have a great uh, regular season last year by any mean, by any stretch of the means. And he just, he went on a run at the like late, late end of the season. So Trying to maybe hope that he can kind of find his form. He could be maybe the uh, the the net finder that that I was talking about uh, earlier. But when it comes to Anders, and I've had this conversation with people, and I had it last year too. Um, it the the for the when when you're not taking shots from the point, when you're playing a lot of un, unsettled offense, when you're relying on defensive pressure to score your goals you're not going to get that power forward involved um, in front of the net as often as one would think. So, you know, maybe not showing up in the numbers, but he's, he's a constant threat, Mike, like standing out in front of the, in front of the goalie like that with some of the shots that we have behind him coming from Pollock, Mayfield, Boychuk shown some early, early, promise like I don't, you know I know that I could attest much more to the shortcomings of Jordan Everly than I could for Andersley I think Anders no matter what is always a threat and even if he's not putting numbers up there he's creating chances for other people on the ice for sure that's the most I, analytical thing I've ever fucking said. I just want to point <laughs> that out sorry go on well I'm not t- like trying to discredit him like there's no chance in hell I would ever stand in front of Pulak's shot or Boychuk's shot, like or even De- Devontae's shot. Like, there's no chance. And the fact that he does it night in and night out, he he is a warrior, and he brings way more to this team than we even know. But you know, getting a few of those dirty goals every once in a while, I think though, would definitely uh, help us win a little more uh, convincingly. You just yeah. miss seeing those because they're such motherfuckers. Like, you know, you get a goal like that scored on you. You're like, that's trash. That shouldn't count. <laughs> so, yeah, you definitely miss seeing them. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, with the lineup changes in the last couple of years, like, I think a lot of these guys are finally starting to realize that there are, there's more room for them to kind of play out as opposed to, like, you know, being in the background and just kind of supporting bigger players in the team. Um, so I think, I think it is just that period of them, like, kind of trying to find where they fit and, like, where they can use their strengths to, to kind of, you know, like I said, it really does look like they're playing as more of a unit as opposed to just, you know, individual stars um, being supported by the guys around them, which is nice to see. Um, like even Pellick last night looks great. I thought, you know, he was using the body a lot. And he, uh, you know, other than that penalty that he drew like early on, um, I think that he's kind of coming into his own. Um, and did it, I, I wasn't sure did that, did he end up getting credit for that goal or did Sadikas get credit for that? Um, the deflection. I think it was Zeker got it. Zeker got it, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that as the year goes on, I think that things are only going to get better. Um, but we'll see. You know, a lot of promising stuff going on but um, with the team, but there's also some promising stuff going on with your musical career. So you want to uh, fill us in on what's going on with the meantime and what is the meantime for some of our listeners that might not be familiar? Sure. Um, so the meantime is uh, a new band of mine that's, it's just me and my best friend, Bobby. Um, we've been best friends since the sixth grade and we've always played music together in one way or another. Um, and we just, uh, we wanted to put some songs together and, uh, it kind of took a long time because, um, I tour with a couple different bands, uh, working and playing in them. And so we actually recorded all of the music for the meantime record. I think we started it the day after Christmas in 2017. Um, so we we did all the music there. We did it out at this studio called The Barbershop in New Jersey. Um, so all the music was tracked like about two years ago. Uh, and then I left to go on like, you know, whatever tours I was going on at the time. And it was just such a, a long stretch of touring in between that any time that I was home um, was never really long enough to go back. Basically, the only thing that we had to do for the, the album was to finish up like vocals uh, and some like piano and, you know, extra added percussion on the end. Um, but it just worked out that every time I was home, it either wasn't long enough of a period for me to get into the studio before I was leaving again, or if I was home for like a decent stretch that the studio didn't have any time available. Um, so it kind of just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and almost became like <laughs> a joke that like the record was never going to come out and that there was no record and that, um, like there's like a, a running joke in a group of our friends that. Literally, they would just text us like, yo, so Chris, where's the vocals? Like, where are the vocals, man? When are we going to get the vocals? Um, so it kind of just, it took a long time to finally find a, a good window to do it. Um, but it just feels really good to, to finally have it out. You know, I, I've been listening to those songs for, like I said, like two years. So uh, we just put them out on Friday. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's a big release to kind of have them out in the world. And people seem to be digging it, which is cool. It's always like a nice bonus when you know other people dig the songs because you never really know how the response is going to be we we definitely made songs that we love and i mean that is obviously the goal but it's it's a nice bonus when people respond well to it and it's it's different than what you've done in the past like you know people that know who you are from giants at large they might have been thinking that another like pop punk album was coming out and this is a complete 360 for sure well so so giants at large um that was a band that i was in for you know i don't even know how many years but 
a, a good chunk of my life. Um, but I wasn't like an original member of the band or anything. Um, Giants at Large started maybe when I was in like ninth grade or 10th grade. Um, and it was a bunch of guys from East Meadow, you know, which is two towns over from me. Um, but I didn't really know any of those guys that well. And it sort of just became a band that I, that I love to go see. Um, I was like a, a big fan of theirs. And just over the years from playing in bands, uh, like other local bands, we would play a bunch of shows together. Um, they took one of my other bands on our first tour. And then after a couple lineup changes, uh, they eventually just asked me to play guitar for the band. And then um, I did two records and an EP with them. Um, but Giants was really uh, Matt Legatuda. He was the, the singer and guitar player of Giants. That was really like his passion project. And he was the main songwriter for that. Um, and so, yeah, the meantime is definitely a, a different vibe just because it's me and Bobby writing everything. Um, whereas in Giants, I was mostly just like adding riffs and maybe some like vocal, like melody ideas to Matt's already written songs. Um, whereas this time it's more of stuff that I'm writing on my own. Uh, and then me and Bobby kind of like flesh it out together. So, so yeah, it definitely differentiates in that way. It's, it's not as poppy as you might expect if you're, uh, familiar with Giants at Large, but yeah. And, and you know, I listened to the record on on Friday, and it has a, a lot of like the the indie tones that I used to really dig when I was in high school. Like, I, I have like the comparison to like May or the early November, like early stuff, and and also as Tall as Lines, another Long Island band. So, uh, and then when I was listening over the weekend, I I was getting hints of like that band Wolftron. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of them. It, it was uh, Daphne Loves Derby's side project. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so definitely fits like the the Long Island indie music scene. Uh, it kind of makes me think, though. Like, I kind of have a hot take that, like, even though Long Island's like on the map as being such a like powerhouse for our genre of music, you don't really hear of many pop punk bands coming from Long Island. Uh, yeah, not anymore. Uh, I would say back in the day. I mean. The, the term pop punk is such a huge umbrella these days, I feel like. And um, it kind of just any anyone who is in an alternative rock or indie or emo band kind of just gets thrown under that phrase. Um, and it's, you know, obviously like the early 2000s pop punk bands that all came from Long Island, like that kind of had its own definition of, on the genre. And now there's been sort of this resurgence. Um and yeah, like I think a lot of the bands that are coming out now are definitely a little bit more pop influenced, but they get thrown under that pop punk category because, you know, they're they're essentially pop bands, but they have guitars. Um, so it falls under like pop punk because there's really no other place or other phrase that like defines it. Um, but I think, yeah, I, as far as like if I think about it, like all the bands that I love from Long Island that you know people would maybe call a pop punk band are really more like indie bands um which is fine you know mu music is subjective you can call it whatever you want uh i just i don't love to throw labels on on music because i think it kind of blurs the lines a little bit too much but you know if you like it you like it if you don't you don't that's that's kind of what it comes no amen i i however in like all about pop punk these days it's just i don't know what is what, what's going on in my life why i can just so relate to it even though like the lyrics i might not but it's just kind of my my cup of tea these days so so you what 
you don't relate to the lyrics, what do you relate to? Like just the the feel. Yeah, ex- like and it just brings me back to like my high school days, like when I was all into that. Oh, cool. What uh, what have you been listening to? Um, I'm really into like Grayscale, Barons, um, basically wow. a- anything That's that. That's the first band you said. And <laughs> keep flying. You've been. Thank. You. Yeah. Thank you. Like, it's almost a shot at me that you didn't start that with them just because of the amount of text messages that I get. <laughs> and in the past, like, week and a half, I've been so into this band called Origami Angel. Okay. They're from DC. And I holy crap, they're so either, good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'm like, I, uh, I got into music super young, I guess, because I'm the youngest of five kids. And uh, some of my older siblings, you know, dabbled in the music world a little bit um so i got into it really young and and i feel like even though i'm you know a similar age to a lot of the guys in the bands that you mentioned and who are like playing in the scene now like i kind of gravitate more towards uh the music that people who are like 10 or 15 years older than me tend to like just because that's what i grew up around um so even now like i i'll admittedly be the first one to say like i'm terrible at keeping up with new bands um and i i'm more so find myself like going further and further back in time and listening to older bands um but yeah like uh, a lot of the new bands are awesome too like the, the grayscale guys are great um we did warp tour with them i guess it was two years ago and uh they're just like some of the nicest dudes and and it's awesome to see how well they've been doing yeah it's, it's funny that you say that um <clears throat> i'm almost kind of waiting until i become like comfortably numb when it comes to my musical selection where I really just don't want to or don't care or don't like anything that's coming out because like that's the day I've always been the most afraid of I definitely (laughs) did pride myself I went to um Newfound Glory Hawthorne Heights um the other day and I was obviously very excited to see Newfound Glory because I've for some reason have always been cursed to miss their shows but uh like free throw is opening who to me is a very big band very influential in my life currently um pull a lot of artistic um um uh jesus christ you made me drink all that <laughs> beer last night and now my my brain can't function you asshole. Artistic this is all on, is that, is this is all on you chris <laughs> i'll take this the for that for sure yeah <laughs> thank you um, yeah, the, no i, I, I just guys. pull a lot um yeah, yeah i I love them and so you're going there and it's so funny because you're looking around and it's everybody's my age um or a little or older <laughs> you know we're talking you know late 20s you know 28 29 you know mid 30s because newfound glory and hawthorne heights has that pull i mean hawthorne heights is like you could probably date the their peak with a graduating class of like 2005. 2007, yeah, six, yeah, like that area. And, and uh, you know, Free Throw is a huge band that's touring with, with Newfound Glory right now. And, and seeming people, I, I don't want to see p- people weren't in- interested. They played a, a great show and uh, people loved it. But, you know, it was like, okay, well, at least I know one of these new bands. People don't even know what they're listening to right now. And I, I was like, yeah. all right, well, I'm still hip. And and I don't want to say that I, I don't like any new bands that are coming out or like anything like that. Like, I just have a hard time sort of keeping up. Like, I I think, you know, 
you guys know I'm not like the best at using my phone or keeping up with like what's going on online. Like I'm uh, basically my friends have to shove stuff down my throat and be like, yo, you're going to really like this record. You're going to like this band. Like, please check it out um, for me to be like, OK, let me like sit down because I really do find myself listening to a lot of the same stuff most of the time. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, so many of these new bands are incredible. Uh, I just I have a hard time like zoning in on which ones to spend the time checking out um but i mean free throws incredible i love those guys um we actually so they recorded their record with brett uh at barbershop and we did the meantime record with him as well um and brett also plays drums in the movie life crime and stereo and i'm the avalanche yes so Uh, he's he's just like the the go-to guy these days which is awesome because um I, anytime that's honestly where i find a lot of new bands to check out is any of the bands that he records or puts the records out because i love the way that he makes stuff sound and i think that he's um he's a a, a gem for sure like he's a drummer uh, obviously an incredible drummer but like being in a room with him and having him throw vocal ideas at you like he just has this crazy ear for music um and he'll say stuff that like when he'll be like, oh, try this idea. And I'll be like, are you sure? Like, that sounds kind of weird or, or like it wouldn't really fit. And then he'll be like, no, no, just try it. And, like, if it doesn't fit, like, we'll just try something else. And then you'll try and you'll be like, holy shit, like how it doesn't seem like it would work. But then it it makes this song like this almost new, it almost reinvents the song like on the spot. And I'm I'm always really uh, excited to check out the new bands that he's been working with. So you mentioned that y- you're uh kind of like an old soul I, i'm not even too sure how how old exactly are you i just um, want to put everything sorry what was that 25 all right so I, I was like so curious how you even like knew first of all like the movie life and saves a day like some of these bands that you're playing with because you know those bands were even kind of like a little bit older for me and i'm 33 so like, <laughs> I'm like, how is this young guy playing with these? Like, how does he even know them and know their songs? It's just, it was interesting to me. Yeah. So when I was when I was like pretty young, um, this might make more sense to to Long Island guys than anybody else. But uh, so my older brother Brian went to Regis High School in Manhattan, um, and some of the guys that he went to school with played in a band from Rockville Center called Show Me Action. I don't know if you guys ever knew about that band. I I did not. No. Show Me Action was like a. a rock band from Rockville Center. Um and so my brother went to high school with a couple and so his group of friends would always like go out to their shows. Um and so when I was young and like he was supposed to be kind of watching me, like if my parents were away or whatever, he would just bring me to these shows like with his group of friends and and I was always like you know pretty young being there, but um that's kind of how I got my start like getting into local music and uh finding out about all these bands and so um at the same time it was it was probably around the time where like fuse was becoming a big thing on tv like steven's untitled rock show and like all those you know daytime you know i guess you would say like pop punk themed tv channels um i would say the heyday of that yeah so it was like around that same time and um i was going to like a private Catholic school my whole life growing up and then around like that same I think it was like 2004 um I got switched out and started going to public school uh so it was kind of like the first time in my life that I was like not only you know 
I didn't have to put on a uniform every day and like go to class. Um, I was kind of like, okay, shit, I have to like figure out how to, you know, dress myself and like what I want to wear. And like, so I ended up just, you know, putting on a bunch of my brother's band t-shirts and then I would come home from school every day and Steven's Untitled Rock Show would be on and I'd be like, oh, cool. Like these are the bands that my brother likes. Like I should sit and watch their music videos. Um, and it kind of just like, that's sort of how I got into finding out about all these bands that maybe, you know, people my age or a little bit younger, like wouldn't really know about. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Saves the Day has been one of my favorite bands forever. So um, getting to work for those guys has been super lucky and it's really fun to watch them play every night. Crazy stuff, man. That That's like, it's just so cool the way that, you know, people discover the music that they just you know love and it's cool that your your older brother had such a huge influence on you because that, yeah, that's kind of like what happened with me you know getting into some of the you know my brother's a lot older so like the grunge music was huge when he was in high school so like getting exposed to that when I was so young was just kind of changed my whole perspective like I basically could never listen to top 40 music because of that for sure. And yeah, and my brother also had uh, a friend, her name's Cassie, and she was always, you know, hanging around at our house and she would like give me CDs of new bands that she liked. And she was like, she was the one out of their group of friends that was like super in touch with the scene and what was going on as opposed to just like going to see their friends' bands play. Um, so she was giving me these CDs with like, you know, Save the Day and Blink-182 and Motion City Soundtrack and like all of these bands, like Burn CDs. Um, and it's funny, there was a song it ended up being uh, Selma would close them off to heaven by saves the day. It was like on one of those CDs. And I didn't really know who the bands were at the time. I was just like putting the CD into my Walkman and like, I would listen to it every day. Um, and I have like this weird vivid memory of being on like a family vacation to Buffalo where I had some relatives up there when I was younger. And I would listen to that song like all the time on the drives up there. And I didn't know who the band was. And then it wasn't until like years later when I sort of reconnected with like, you know, diving into the actual bands and their discographies and stuff that I that song came on when I started getting into Saves the Day heavily. And I was like, wait a second, I know this I know this song. And I realized that it was the song that was on one of those mixed CDs that I was like burning through when I was younger. That's beautiful. <laughs> because like kids these days will never know what it's like to get like a burned mixtape. For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. So you also have some sweet what's up? No, that's all right. Fine. Fuck me then, right? <laughs> well, I was just going to bring up some of the, the sweet Long Island references that are on the meantime record. No, um, oh, go for it. That's more important. I'm being a thousand percent I'm sarcastic. I'm not going to go on this old man rant that we go on every time about kids these days. So <laughs> oh, no, better we'll, off that we'll you stop. Get, we'll get to that. Hold on to that. I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love the, the Adventureland oh, reference. Like, that's such a Long Island place. And, like, I, I know that you get to go around the country all the time. So, like, do you ever see places like Adventureland anywhere else? Um, I'm sure there are. I, I can't say that I've been to any of them. But, like, I mean, yeah, you definitely see some, like, some weird shit when you're driving down the highway. Um, but, yeah, Adventureland is definitely a pretty Long Island-specific experience, I think. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, I was talking to some friends who play in other, like, Long Island bands, and they were like, yeah, like, how'd you come up with that shit? Because I was showing them some of the songs a few weeks ago. And I was like, honestly, like, I write, because we recorded 
music so long before the vocals were recorded. I had like all this time in between to kind of like marinate with the songs and figure out vocal ideas and stuff. And a lot of the time was me like I uh, I was working for um, like a beverage distributor on Long Island in between tours. Um, and so I would be like delivering kegs all day and I would just listen to the record and try to come up with like vocal ideas and vocal melodies. So a lot of the lyrics were written like while I was driving. Um, so just because of that, a lot of them reference things that I was like seeing or looking at while driving around the island, which is kind of where that came from. Hey, Mike. What's up? You do know that there are amusement parks all over the world, right? <laughs> yes, 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 Devin. But it is okay. I'm like just making sure that you understand that because I'm concerned for you. It sounds as though you aren't close to an amusement park in Carolina whatsoever. No, like there's like the big, like huge scale, like Six Flags. And like here in Carolina, we have a place called Carowinds. Like those are huge amusement parks. But like the fact that Adventureland has one survived on Long Island where like real estate is so expensive and that place is such a dump. Like it's just such a Long Island place. I don't know how yeah, else to explain funny, it. Like anytime you drive by, you also like, I don't really ever see people in there. No, like, never. That is like, true. Like the yeah. swings will be the swings will be like up in the air spinning around, but there'll be nobody in them. And I'm always like, yeah, how is this place staying open? Or like, do they kind of just leave it running as sort of like a a nice thing for people to like drive by and look at and be like, oh yeah, I remember going there 20 years ago. Like, cool, it's still there, but there's actually nobody ever in there. Like that, that roller coaster can't be safe. I uh, we toyed with the idea of like asking them if we could film a music video there. Um, and in my head, I was like, it'd be really cool if we could do it because it would, you know, obviously link up with the song. But also, like, I do not want to get on any of these fucking rides because I'm going to get hurt. Like, I, I don't want to have to film a video of me, like, sitting in the swings or, like, going down the, you know, any of the, like, water rides or anything. All right, let's do something fun right here. What was your okay. favorite Adventureland ride from growing up? I, I think, like, the swings for me were the one. Just because it was cool, like for anyone who doesn't land on Route 110, which like cuts through the center of Long Island, like from the north to the south shore. And the swings are like, you know, the the normal swing rides that you see at any amusement park where it's like they're attached by like rinky dink chains and they bring you up in the air and you spin around. But the swings are the closest ride in the park to Route 110. So when you're spinning around up in the air, you're literally like almost floating over the, the road while cars are going underneath you. So I always thought that, that was like kind of cool until I realized how sketchy it was. <laughs> what about you, Devin? Rock and roller coaster was pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> but I'd be remiss to say that I was going to Adventureland and not expecting to eat fudge every time I went there. True. Also, I There's... feel like there was like a, a silent Adventureland fun zone rivalry going on. Because they're both Ugh. on the same road, and they're both, like, shitty amusement parks. Terrible. Terrible. Well, eventually, it wins every time. It had a, a feature-length movie made about it, basically. That's true. Actually, when, when I was writing the song, I was like, I wonder if people are going to know, like, what I'm talking about. And then I remembered, like, oh, yeah, there was that, like, big movie. So people at least understand that I'm referencing, like, a theme park, even if they don't know the one that I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny, too, because that movie, uh, and I don't... I mean, you know, I'm jo I'm joking with with Mike. It was a pretty funny question to ask if he if you've ever seen a, an amusement park before. But 
it does like for some reason hold that nostalgia to so like to a wide array of people and like the the movie uh, isn't the movie name Adventureland with it what's is, his name yeah. in it? Yeah, right. Is it is it Michael uh, Sarah? No, uh, it's uh, the Social Network. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg or I think yeah, that's, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, even I've admittedly movie, never like, seen the movie. You've never seen it. It's pretty no. good. It's pretty. It's actually. It's like. It's got Ryan Reynolds in it. It's oddly like. It doesn't know if it's funny or serious or like dark. It's like a dark comedy kind of. It's it's. I, pretty. I also it's pretty good. Always, if you ever, like, I I always think about for some reason the Adventureland movie and that movie Zombieland as like one and the same for some reason. Because is it is it the same guy that's in? Yeah, Eisenberg's movies? in both. That's funny. And I just like, realized that and a lot of Zombieland takes place in an amusement park, like when they're getting attacked by zombies. So I always just like kind of think of them. Like I obviously know they're not the same movie, but in my head I'm always like, uh, Adventureland, Zombieland. Like I love Zombieland, so I don't really need to see Adventureland. Yeah, I'm like Bill yeah, Murray's probably no, not it, in Adventureland. No, it's definitely <laughs> it's a pretty creative movie. I just the point I'm trying to get to because I'm terrible again. <laughs> points is like there was no need to point out that it was based on Adventureland and on Long Island but for some reason that was like the rallying point behind the entire creative process and like that's what everybody I guess because I'm living on Long Island that's people brought it up a lot but like yeah I mean you know what I mean like the, the point that it had to be made consistently that it was based on the writers like experience working at Adventureland over the summer was like pretty funny to me because there. People from Long Island don't love anything more than saying they're from Long Island, which is something that I've found out as well. I mean, I won't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially uh, going to all these away games with Mikey and meeting people from North Carolina. You know, the minute you realize the person you're talking to is from where we live, it's a... Uh, easy 45 minute conversation about their town our town every town in between what town you used to hang out in what town you went to school in so oh for sure i mean it was uh i mean i thought it was cool that there was like that many islander fans in north carolina and then i realized like oh i must know at least like a dozen people from long island that have moved there in the last five years so it makes perfect sense yeah mikey's mikey's buying the houses for everybody so they can come to his <laughs> meetups apparently <laughs> Oh man! It was funny. Even uh, even I think it must have been last year, two years ago, um, when we were doing the first movie life tour. Like after I had joined the band, um, our tour manager was uh, this woman named Caitlin, who was from like Southern California. Um, and then when we actually ended up meeting to start the tour, I found out that she's from Long Island, and I was like, oh, sick! Like, and yeah, we we had the conversation like, oh, where'd you go to high school? Like, here's all the same people that we know. Like, it's you know, it's smaller than you think. It's, it's so small. It's so goddamn small. I don't know if I've um, talked about this on the podcast, but one of the, the first people to ever come to one of my meetups, him and I were at day camp together on Long Island, like the same year, knew all the same people, and didn't see each other for like 20 years. And then he shows up at my <laughs> very first meetup. That's sick. Uh, it's, uh, Carl? Oh, all right, different guy all again. Yeah, yeah. So that's like another thing. Like, Adventureland's like very Long Island, but then also this camp, Camp Alvernia, which is in like Centerport. 
So like if you grew up I in think I remember that place. Is that the place like in it's like sort of in the woods? Yeah. So it's like it, it feels like you're in like upstate New York, but you're still on Long Island. It's crazy. Because like yeah, I think my my brother went there when I was younger and I remember like driving in there being like, this place looks awesome. Yeah, so like I was a, a poor kid from Deer Park and the only reason I even know about it is because my older brother got a job there and like their whole policy mm-hmm. is like you could bring family members to go to the camp for free as long okay. as you're working there. So like I got to go to this camp and all these kids are so rich and I'm like just the poor kid from Deer Park. So like whenever I meet someone from Huntington or Northport or Centerport or like any of those like North Shore kind of middle of the island towns, I always ask them like, oh, did you go to Camp Alvernia? And sure enough, that kid Carl did. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, dude, when I was, when I was younger, so I, I live in Garden City um, and I grew up here, but I grew up in a different house in the same town. Um, and the house that I grew up in was right around the corner from like the Garden City Pool slash community park. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Um, yeah, I used have, to live like six blocks from it. <laughs> yeah, they have like two roller rinks there, which is like kind of how I got started getting into hockey when I used to, you know, ride my bike there every day. Um, but no joke, like my backyard fence, if you would hop over the fence in my backyard, you'd be in the outfield of the baseball field. So no exaggeration, like I was at that park every single day of my childhood like i would either hop the fence or ride my bike around the block um and just this year i was at a a bar over in mineola like to watch one of the games and the girl who was bartending was like i know you and i was like you do and she's like yeah you used to ride your bike to the garden city pool like every single day and i was like yeah like like almost 20 years ago She's like, yeah, I used to work the front desk at the pool, and you used to come there every single day. I remember you. And funny enough, not only was she the bartender at the bar that I went to, but she was going to the Saves the Day show that I was working in Brooklyn like the next week. She was like, yeah, I take photos. I'm photographing Saves the Day next week. <laughs> there you go. That's full circle. Yeah. 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 Um, so what do we got next, man? What's... What do, what do we got going on live for your musical career? Uh, music is, it's definitely not as fast paced as it once was. Um, I've been going to school as of like this semester. So uh, after like the Saves the Day run finished up in August, um, I enrolled in some classes at Nassau. So I'm there most days of the week um, and just kind of trying to play some meantime shows locally um, while I finish up my credits. and. Um, Bobby also works full time. So, um, right now we're kind of just waiting to give the record a little bit of time for people to hear it before we try to hit the road too hard. Um, we're playing a show Wednesday night, uh, like the night before Thanksgiving with Vinny, uh, at AMH. So that should be really fun. Um, that's going to be, you know, our first time playing the songs since the record's been out. So we're excited for that. And also our buddy, Kevin, who we all grew up with. Uh, he moved to L.A. a couple of years ago, but we all grew up playing music together and he's going to be home for Thanksgiving. So he's actually going to come like play the show with us. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And then after that, um, I'm doing a couple shows, uh, guitar checking for the front bottoms in like mid-December. Oh, no shit. Um, yeah, they're doing that like champagne jam weekend kind of thing. Right. Um, so I'll be doing that with them. And then. Right after Christmas, Movie Life has two shows. We're doing the Four Year Strong Holiday Show uh, up at the uh, Worcester Palladium. Oh, and, oh, that's iconic. 
Oh yeah. I, I mean, I've been going to that show pretty much every year since I was like 18, I think. So I'm really stoked to finally play it. And, um, I worked for the four year guys for, for like five years also. So I'm excited to see them. Um, and then the day after that, we're playing uh, Movie Life has like a headline show in Brooklyn. I think it's us, Victory Garden, and Somerset Thrower. Uh, so that should be awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and then after the new year, we're going to do, uh, the meantime, is going to do like a record release show, uh, January 17th at Amityville Music Hall. Um, so we're just working on putting that together right now. And then maybe, we're, we're talking about maybe doing, because that show's a Friday, um we're talking about maybe doing like a friday saturday sunday sort of thing like maybe long island boston new jersey or philly um just because right now we can really only do stuff on the weekends when i don't have class and when bobby doesn't have work you started the sentence off with the music life isn't really as uh fast paced and then (laughs) just rattled off about two to three months worth of projects uh and i'm still working on what i'm going to do in the next 10 minutes so kudos man don't that, that that that's a lot that's awesome um yeah i mean it's it sounds overwhelming when you say it all at once but that's over the course of the next you know month and a half and um it's it's sort of a weird transition for me recently like i'm you know i've spent the last six or seven years being on the road you know all year round so being home going to class and work every day and like only having a couple shows in the pipeline is is sort of a slower schedule gotcha understood but, but it's it's just as hectic, you know, having to balance it instead of, you know, being on a tour and knowing that you're just going to have to play or work a show every day. Like balancing the school and work and home life with playing shows is definitely its own game. Um, like two weeks ago, Saves the Day did the Through Being Cool 20 year anniversary shows. Um, and so it was just the Saturday, Sunday. It was like New Jersey and Brooklyn. And then the Saturday and Sunday after that was uh, Anaheim and Los Angeles. Um, it was funny because I was literally like going from the shows like Sunday night and I would go home and wake up and go to class the next morning. And then Thursday night after class, I like went to the airport, flew to LA, did those two shows in California. And then again, like flew home the morning as soon as I could, like the morning after the show to be in class on Monday. So it's, it's its own game for sure. But, oh, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm glad that it, you know, it worked out. I, I would have been really bummed if I had to miss those shows. Yeah, man. Um, and balancing home life, uh, you can watch more Islander games now too, man. With me, that is that is the benefit for sure. This is definitely one of the first years, uh, in recent memory that I've been able to actually focus on the team and watch every single game and any of the home games, be able to actually go to them. Um, whereas it used to be sort of difficult, like being on the road. It's easier when you're playing in a, in a band, and I think that's why a lot of guys in bands gravitate towards hockey because you do have a lot of time to kill when you're on tour, like waiting for the show to start, waiting for the set um, games. But for a long time, I was working for bands, which, you know, doors for the shows normally open around seven o'clock when the games are starting. So instead of having time to kill, my like work day would be starting right when the games would start. So it was either the sort of thing where like I would have to, um, you know, stream the highlights or listen to the game on the radio while I was working. Um, like after the after the shows were over, I'd like, you know, get in the van or get in you know, my bunk or whatever and like listen to the highlights of the game or have to watch it the next morning. Um, so it's definitely become a lot easier to keep track of what's going on with the team, which is nice. And obviously getting to like go to the Coliseum for all the games is great. Yep. And one would argue that this is the best season for that to happen. To, to this point. <laughs> you could argue that for sure 
and that's the other thing too um going uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know nassau coliseum is literally across the street from nassau community college which is where i'm taking classes so like any days where they have an afternoon game i'm getting out of class at noon and literally walking across the street and going right into the coliseum and watching the game um so it's it's nice it's nice to live i mean i've lived a mile and a half from the coliseum my whole life so it's it's definitely convenient to be able to just pop over there anytime there's a game happening. Convenience is definitely key. And pro tip, well, old pro tip was to park in the NCC parking lot whenever you had an event at the Coliseum. But now that you got to pay for parking, I think, over there, is that true? Well, they- so the thing is, that's that's another perk. It's like I have a parking pass for going. Exactly. That's what I, I thought. Yeah. I, I for sure leave my car over there and like walk over. But the other night, I was leaving the game, and as I was walking back, they were ticketing all the cars in the like Nassau community parking lot. Um, yeah, that used to be the never move. could do. It used to be like, yeah, you would park over there or by like the giant office building with like the mirror slide on it, mm-hmm. um, and just walk across the street. And that's honestly like a big part of the reason that I got into going to Islander games when I was younger. It was because um, like me and my friends after school, like we would just go like skateboard around by the mall, and then right. it'd get dark out, like there was nothing really to do and this was back when the team was doing so poorly that i think it was like they were running a promotion where (laughs) i think it was if you went to chipotle like within 48 hours of the game and you brought your receipt to the box office of the coliseum you could get like a nine dollar ticket to sit like all the way up in like the top and every day we were like well we're gonna go eat chipotle anyway so we might as well like eat chipotle and then go to an islander game for no money like the team was doing terribly, so it wasn't like the most fun thing to go sit and watch them lose all the time, but it was a cheap thing to do, and that was like a big part of the reason that I started going to games was just because it was, you know, it was right there. That was yeah, Loudville, right? That's what they called it. Loudville. Yeah. Wasn't it Moe's and not it, Well no, Chipotle? it was Chipotle first and then they lost that sponsorship, I think, and then it cha- it changed over to Moe's. But it was like right when Chipotle had opened up and just started, and they opened one on Hempstead Turnpike across from the Coliseum. Right, so everyone right. was like, "Cool!" Like instead of paying fifteen bucks for a ticket, I can go like eat a burrito and spend <laughs> nine bucks on a ticket. Yeah, I mean, win-win, and you don't have to eat inside. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> uh, those prices are insane. So, gentlemen, uh, I think we've done well here today uh especially hanging in there after a devastating loss uh one that is unacceptable no, i'm just kidding you can't say that shit when you have a 17 game point streak but more yeah, importantly no, we, we played well so yeah we played well mike you got anything else any closing arguments here no but you guys didn't ask me my favorite ride was the bumper boats <laughs> oh i forgot <laughs> where you could oh, just breathe in gasoline fumes while you wait in line Oh, Devin, are you going to hold on to your old man rant for next time, or you want to let it out? You know what? I'm just not going to talk about how, like, musically respected you were by the amount of songs you had on your iPod. I won't go there. That was just, like, <laughs> how you gauged how cool of a person you were. Is like, I know 5,000 songs. I have my whole iPod stacked up here. Dude, no one, no one had iPods when I was in high school. Like, they didn't come out until I was like a, a senior. So I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I lived during the golden age. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no, there is no age, but there was the just iPods. Age. We woke up and, and there it was. Yeah, I think, I think the iPod, like the first, 
touch was big right when I was like in middle school or high school. Um, and I remember there was like some game, like it was like a, either like a rock band game or something on there where you could like upload yeah. songs and it was like, it was you like would tap, just tap, tap, revolution. Yeah. Tap, tap. That was the one. Yeah. Um, tap, tap, revolution. And, and my brother had like the original classic, which is like still, I think the coolest I thought it was like a giant white brick and the buttons on it lit up red and you could fit like 20,000 songs or something on there. And I think it also had, um, it either had Snake or it had like the little Brick Breaker game built into the iPod. I just realized that Mike is 33 and that he didn't have iPods in high school is what he was trying to say. <laughs> I, I didn't. So like, I remember true. the iPod, the iPod Touch, Caitlin, my wife, actually bought for like our second year anniversary. You got yeah. an iPod Touch for your second year anniversary? Yeah, man. That's that sick. is, yeah, yeah. That was that's. Wow, that really takes me back. So you were married two years when the iPod. Not married, was... dating, dating two years. Oh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Like, that didn't make any sense. No. no. Oh, okay, let me ask you guys this: what What phones did you have when you? What was like your first phone? I had a Nextel. Yeah. Dude. So my first phone was like, like a, a Motorola, not like pre razor days. Like I'm talking, like it was just a straight, like, dude. It, it had nothing. It was just like a a regular cordless phone, but we called it a cell phone. <laughs> I I'm, am glad nobody has me on like recorded, you know, records saying this out loud. But I at one point was talking to my friends at school and remember saying like what the, the fuck is the point of text it's the dumbest thing in the world this is a fad <laughs> it'll end there's no it's like bad. just call the person and say what you need to say i don't understand what texting is like necessary for like that came out of my mouth at one point in my life and what what did you start what was your first phone dev the next it was a nextel i had a one of those bleep bleep phones, the little walkie-talkie ones. Yeah, the ones that you would like try to play music on by typing different numbers. I was not that smart. No. Oh, uh, dude, I remember that when you had to make your own ringtones by typing numbers. I do remember well, was, that. Well, you could make the ringtones, but you could also like every number had its own little like different tone, and people would figure out how to play like very simple songs by typing in a certain order of numbers. Dude, there was a time where. You could download uh, your ringtones, and like, there's like a bootleg like app site that you could take your songs off your iTunes and like upload them to this website, and then like re-download them onto your phone. And people would just like, who had the coolest ringtone? Like, who is listening to that? Was another like form of like listening to music. Now that we run a music podcast and we can talk about it, like there was there's some dope ringtones out there. Oh yeah, I remember I when I was I had my first phone and my ringtone was BYOB by Children of Bodom, uh by System of a Down. That's yeah. yeah. I had BYOB was my ringtone and it's funny cuz like I don't think I've listened to that band since I probably got rid of that phone. <laughs> no. Yeah, I remember like phones bringing them to school and it being like a major issue and everybody had like a 
a music ringtone on it. So you would call your friends all day, like from your pocket, just to try and like make sure that they did, like they they had their phone on like ringer ringer and try and get it to go off in class. And it was always like <laughs> like Fifty Cent, System of a Down, Taking Back Sunday. Oh yeah. Ironically enough, mine was Ohio's for Lovers for a very long time. Nice. Which I just got to hear in person. Uh, two days ago. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Mike, what was your ringtone? Dude, now like the ringtone phase phase was when I was in college, and I I think I had like a As Tall as Lions song or something kind of chill. Something cute. There were people that had like was it dial tones too, where like you would call. You would call and like when when it was ringing instead of ringing it would be uh like it would be music that they got to choose. Yes, dude. There's like that the one traditional is it was the ring back tone. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some symphonic song. My girlfriend yeah. still has a ring back tone, and every time I call her, I laugh because I'm like, I feel like it's 2007. Like I can't believe I'm hearing this. Yeah, I didn't even so, know you could still do that. I guess like <laughs> if you like, there's some weird grandfather thing where if you like never changed your phone plan over the last. 15 years like you just still have it that's amazing i don't even the know what i would do if i called someone that had one the worst type of people were the ones that had like they held their phone up to the speaker for for their um outgoing message oh yeah and for their voicemail awful it, like you couldn't couldn't hear what song it was <laughs> and it, it was like it would go on for like a minute and a half so you had to listen to the whole thing my, and like this is a, this is still at a point in human history, which is will be unbelievable. Some some of the younger listeners, but you actually did leave voicemails. Yeah. So you oh, had to like. I, I, yeah. I was like the person that I would never check any of my voicemails. Like I would just let the inbox fill up, and I, like to this day, like right now, my inbox is full because I just would never check the messages. So I kind of got to the point. I was like, well, if no one can leave me messages, then I won't miss any of them. Right. Um, so I just my inbox has been full for like ten years. Right, that's a pro move. I mean, <laughs> but that but now Apple does the thing where you it just you don't even have to listen to it; it just transcribes it into a text, which is very funny because I said text wasn't going to be a thing, and now voicemails are being transcribed into a text message, so you don't have to listen to them. Yeah, speaking of transcribing, really quick, did any of you guys catch the subtitles that were running during the game last night? Uh, terrible. It was insane. I don't know. Like, I'm not a smart man, so I don't know how <laughs> things work. But I like it. Can't be somebody like type. Like, I thought maybe it was like voice recognition thing. But if somebody's typing that out, like, what in God's name? I I don't know either. But I was under the impression that it it is somebody typing it like from the broadcast network typing it in real time. I could be wrong. See, I missed that because I wasn't at a bar last night watching it. So. Explain real quick what was what were some of the like errors it, that were dude, being it was made? Just like it was just chicken scratch, like scrolling underneath the screen the whole time. I think I might have a picture of one. So I'm gonna just read this to you. It says this with four minutes left in the third. It says if suffer firm the biggest she's roll had on nat nishult nerfum surfumit. That is exactly what the screen reads. <laughs> And that's exactly what Butchie said. Everyone sitting. I mean that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Butchie's just talking. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. That's just goring again. The old man wheeling and wheeling out. It's just his mumbles. 
Yeah. He yeah. he doesn't have many brain old. cells left. They partied a lot harder back in back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 He just goes wherever he's dropped off. You still love him though. Yeah. <laughs> All good. All right, boys. It's uh Sunday. Yeah, we'll I need you to go back, back to, to bed. Are you going back to bed? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm shot. Well, I'm probably gonna go to bed at work. True. Yeah. That's how it works when you set up an HQ. You do what you want. <laughs> Michael. No, uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Minutes. Thank you for yeah. coming on. Uh let's go Islanders. It's great to have an another Islander fan in our bank. So if the team keeps going hot like this, we can have Brian and you be our Islander representatives. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I'll, I'll try to make it out to one of the tailgates one of these days. Ah, please, please. I haven't been yet. I, I've heard good things, though. Like adventureland in the Where the swings don't spin right, thanks, and the rocks right. don't ride. I'm feeling out of season, but still looking for a reason to try. No